Hello, and welcome to the Calvary Road Baptist Church Podcast. I'm Pastor Paul Shirley, and I'd like to thank you for taking the time to listen. Each week, we will be releasing sermons and studies delivered directly from the pulpit at our church. Our goal with this podcast from Calvary Road Baptist Church is to make the gospel and sound biblical preaching more available to a wider audience. We hope that these sermons will be a blessing and an encouragement to you each week. As the scripture reads in Psalm 119 and verse 116, Uphold me according unto thy word, that I may live, and let me not be ashamed of my hope. Now, let's hear from God's word. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 1, the Bible says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing rather one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Verse 4, There is one body and one Spirit, even as ye are called, in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all, and in you all. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for allowing us once again to come into your house. Lord, thank you, God, for the songs that we've heard. Thank you, God, Lord, for that heavenly sunlight that shined down in my soul and saved me and put me on the path of righteousness. Lord, thank you, God, that your hand is continually working in my life and that you are making and molding me into what you'd have me to be. And God, you're doing the same for all these Christians, Lord, this morning that know you. God, I pray this morning, if you would, God, that you'd mold us through the message, God, that you'd help us to see the truth of the Word of God, that you'd help us to see the truth of the Holy Spirit, Lord, that that Holy Ghost that has come down, Lord, to be that comforter for us. Lord, I pray this morning, help me, God, to preach in the power of the Holy Ghost. Help me, God, to preach in the authority of the Word of God. And I pray that you'd touch every heart that's here this morning. God, that you'd lead us in the right way, that you'd show us what we stand in need of, and that you'd help us. We love you. We need you. In Jesus' name, amen. Last week, we began on this topic of the unity in the Spirit by talking about the witness of the Spirit. And I'm not going to retread and re-preach all of that. I'll just suffice it to say that we established in the Scriptures that God all the way back in the law, established that whenever something concerns the matter of life and death, a matter can only be decided and agreed upon if there are two or three witnesses. But by the mouth of one witness, it cannot be accepted. That it cannot be seen as true. And that Jesus said, I do not testify of myself, I'm not a witness of myself. He said, if I do, then my witness is not true. And we established that if we can't trust the Lord Jesus' witness without other witnesses, then we certainly can't trust man's. And we talked about how that the Word of God and the Holy Ghost are witnesses and God the Father. They are the witnesses in heaven. And how that we understand that regarding our salvation and regarding anything, that the Holy Ghost is the witness that God has sent down to us. And that if you're lacking the witness of the Word, and the witness of the Holy Ghost, and the witness of the works of the Holy Ghost in your life, that your testimony of salvation is lacking the proper uh, proof, if you will. We went through that passage in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 on Wednesday night that we are to prove all things. And that the Bible establishes that if you are saved, then the Lord will prove it. Amen. He will. He'll prove it. He'll prove it in your life by placing the witnesses in your life. The witness of the Holy Ghost in your heart. How that in Romans chapter 8 it tells us that the Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the sons of God. That the Lord will confirm it in your heart. But that beyond that, the Word of God will confirm it for those around you. That you cannot be... Let me put it to you like this. Someone cannot be a witness for the Lord and a witness of their salvation to a lost and dying world by saying with their lips that they're a Christian and showing with their lives that they're not. Amen? I mean, that's a real simple way of saying it. But our purpose in this life 
after the Lord has saved us, quite simply, our number one purpose is to reach the lost. Amen. To preach the gospel. And our lives do a lot of speaking for us. Amen. It's going to be hard for you to go to work and to witness and pass out tracts when on your lunch break you talk, act, and, and sound just like the world. Amen. And the things you say are not becoming of a Christian. And the way you act is not becoming of a Christian. Then the witness of the Holy Spirit and the works of the Spirit in your life are not speaking on your behalf. Amen. I said I wasn't going to re-preach it, and I may have just done a little bit of that. Somebody, maybe somebody needed to hear that this morning. I want you to go with me to the book of John, in chapter 16. We're going to, this morning we're going to talk about the way of the Spirit. We've spoken about the witness of the Spirit, and this is all under this banner of the unity in the Spirit. The passage we read in Ephesians chapter 4 tells us in verse 4, there is one body and one capital S Spirit. There is one Spirit, the Holy Spirit. Now, there are other spirits that are not capital S Spirit, and uh, we, we may talk about what it means to discern the Spirit's and to try the spirits in a, in a future message. But as the Lord Jesus Christ was here on the earth, and it had, it had become time for Him to approach the cross. It was time for Him, and He was within hours of the finishing of His goal and His ministry here on the earth. He gathered together His disciples here in the latter half of the book of John, and He began to give them some very important messages some very important words concerning life after the Lord Jesus. Can I say it that way? That life was soon going to be very different for them because He was going to be leaving them in the flesh. And in chapter 16, He begins to give them some, some explanation of how things are going to be once He is gone. Let's read through uh, starting in verse number 1, and I'll just read these to you quickly. Uh, verse number 1 of John chapter 16. The Bible says, These things have I spoken unto you that you should not be offended. They shall put you out of the synagogues, yea, the time cometh that whosoever killeth you will think that he doeth God service. Wow, what a messed up way of thinking. And these things will they do unto you because they have not known the Father nor me. But these things have I told you that when the time shall come, you may remember that I told you of them. And these things I said not unto you at the beginning, because I was with you. But now I go my way to him that sent me. And none of you asketh me, whither goest thou? But because I've, said unto, because I've said these things unto you, sorrow hath filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away... The Comforter will not come unto you. Do you all see that capital C, Comforter, there? That's a name, a title, a proper noun. It's a lot like that capital S in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 4. In fact, it's the same person. Uh, but if I depart, I will send him unto you. Verse 8, And when he is come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin, because they believe not on me of righteousness because I go to my Father and see you no more, of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. I have yet many things to say unto you, but you cannot bear them now. Howbeit when He, the Spirit of truth, is come, He will guide you into all truth. For He shall not speak of Himself, but whatsoever He shall hear, that shall He speak. And He will show you things to come. He shall glorify Me, for He shall receive of Mine, and shall show it unto you. All things that the Father hath are mine. Therefore said I that he shall take of mine and show it unto you. A little while, and you shall not see me. And again, a little while, and you shall see me, because I go to the Father. Now the Lord said a whole lot in 16 verses, and I'm not going to cover it all this morning. But I want to talk to you about the way of the Spirit. Because here, the Lord Jesus Christ, in speaking to the disciples, is explaining to them that while He is going to depart from them in the flesh, He is going to be ever-present with them in the Spirit. And the way that He is going to do that is by sending the Holy Ghost down. And not only is He going to send the Holy Ghost down 
Uh, but at times in the Old Testament, as you read through, you would read how that the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost would come upon men and then He would depart off of them again. A, a prime example you can think of is that of Samson and how that when he had the vow of the Nazarite that God, through the Holy Spirit, had given him supernatural strength in his flesh, but that when Delilah deceived him and cut his hair, he did not know that the Spirit had departed from him. The Holy Spirit does not leave you once you've been saved. Once you've been saved, the Holy Spirit does not come down upon you. He comes down inside of you. He indwells you. That He is within you. He, he takes up abode inside of you. That He is no longer a, a third party that comes down and touches you and then goes away and comes down and touches you and then goes away as He did in the before times, but now He comes down and He indwells us and He lives in us and He never forsakes us and He never departs from us and that is the Comforter. That's the Comforter. That He has come down and that He now lives inside of us. And Jesus is explaining to the disciples, first of all, that this is going to take place once He is gone to the cross and died and gone to the Father. He said, once I'm gone, I have to go away because once I'm there, I will send the Comforter to you. Now, once He has come, some things are going to change. Some things are going to be different because the Holy Spirit has a way, a, a path, a direction that He is trying to take Christians. Then when He comes down, He's going to come down for a number of reasons. And then the Lord Jesus begins to describe to them what we'll call the mission of the Holy Spirit. What is the mission of the Holy Spirit? Well, the Lord Jesus, He kind of, in these verses, He really defines it in three different ways of three primary roles that the Spirit has in our life. Now, can, can I get you to agree with me on this statement? That if Christians will all follow the, the way of the Holy Spirit will be in unity. The verse said this, here in our passage in John 16, verse uh, number 13, Howbeit when He, the Spirit of truth, has come, He will guide you into all truth. Is He going to guide you into a truth and then guide me into a truth that completely disagrees with your truth? No. Because the Spirit is truth. When you've got one man who says this is truth, and another man who says that is truth, and they do not agree, only one of them can be truth. Amen. Now, the Lord begins to explain through these verses what the mission is of the Holy Spirit, if you will. He outlines for them the roles that the Holy Spirit is going to fulfill in our lives. And when He does it for them, I want you to know it also applies to you and me. If you've been saved, this is the role these are the roles of the Holy Spirit in your lives. And, and the Holy Spirit does many things for us. But these are the primary things that He does. And let me just hop right in and hurry through these. First, we see that His role is to comfort. Can we agree? In verse number 7, Nevertheless, I'll tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. Now, it's interesting that the Lord first refers to him here to them as the Comforter. Now, why do you think that is? Do you think maybe it has anything to do with verse number 6? What's verse number 6 say? Because I've said these things unto you, sorrow hath filled your heart. The Lord Jesus looks at his disciples, and he knows that because of the fact that he has told them, that he has to leave them, they're sad. And so he tells them, don't be sad. Let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. That's what he told them in just the previous chapters. And now here he is, he says, I'm looking at you guys, and I know you're sad. But let me just encourage you by telling you this. When I go, I'm going because I've got to send the comforter to you. I'm going to send someone to you that in your sorrow will be a comfort. Amen. What a truth. That the Holy Ghost is the comforter. 
That in this life wherein we live, there are partings, aren't there? There are sufferings, and there is sorrow, and there is difficulty, and there is uncertainty. I mean, all the time it seems like something new is creeping up in this life that we have to deal with, and and we look at it and say, God, what am I going to do about this? Well, can I tell you this morning, that is why the Holy Ghost has come to you. To give you comfort. To give you comfort. You say, well, does he really care that much? Absolutely. He cares. Amen. Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. That he has sent a part of the, the Godhead, the Trinity, into our hearts for the purpose of comforting us. Amen. What a blessing that is. And when I look out in this life and I see people struggling, and I mean just barely able to get by, and their life is one that does not reflect the Lord, and their life is they they turn to drugs, or or they turn to alcohol, or they turn to to the world's wisdom, or, or whatever they can find, and in their life I see no presence of God, I say, you're rejecting the most powerful source of comfort there is. The reason that people can live life and and live with little and live with their sufferings and still have joy is because of the Comforter. Amen. Now I realize that we live in a society that today would, would rather tell you that what you need actually is you need their help. Amen. What you need is their help. Now can I tell you this morning... I I believe that there are some people who have physical issues and and even mental issues and things going on in their brains, and they might actually need some doctor help, amen, regarding medicines and things like that. And I know there's a lot of preachers who would say that that stuff is straight out of hell, and I don't believe that. But I'll tell you this, if you don't have the Lord in your life, you're starting at the wrong place. Amen. If we could just get the world to see That walking in the Spirit is the best solution for unhappiness, for emptiness, for depression, for these needs that we have in our lives. If we could get them to go there first, we could eradicate a lot of the medications and the things that are being handed out. And what's happening is we've got people going to that and they're finding out that even after all that, they still don't have peace. You know why? Because they don't have the comforter. Lost people, empty inside, and seeking fulfillment in drugs, and and, and, in people, and and in sin, and their lust, and the things they desire, thinking that the next time it will fulfill them, but it never will. The only thing that will ever give us true comfort is the Holy Spirit. That when they they would be departed from their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, whom they loved, that He was going to send to them, The Holy Ghost that in His power would fill them with His Spirit and would fulfill them with His Spirit. He's a comforter. This morning, if you're unhappy, if your life is lacking, have you tried Him? So, well, yeah, you know, I have, and you know, I go to church. No, 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 that's not what I mean. I mean you and Him and no one else. You and the Lord and no one else. You read your Bible? Do you pray? Do you walk in the Spirit? Do you seek His face? Is He what you desire? Because He is the solution to all of our problems. Amen. He's the comforter. Secondly, not only has He come to to comfort, not only is that His his mission, but His mission is also to convict Verse 8 says this, When He is come, that's speaking of the Holy Spirit, He will reprove the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. That word reprove, it means to charge with a fault to the face, or to make it manifest. To make something manifest means to bring it to the light. Amen. The Holy Ghost will reprove sin. Amen. He will bring things to the light because in God, He is light and in Him is no darkness at all. 
That's what we know in the book of 1 John. God is light, and so there can be no darkness in light. Amen. That's just the way that it is, and therefore we understand that the Holy Ghost has come. Here the word is used reproof not only to comfort, but to convict first of sin. He says this in verse number 9, of sin because they believe not on me. John chapter 3 and verse 18, after that most famous of all verses in the Bible, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He goes on in verse 18 to say this, he that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation that light is come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. Can I just pause right there for a second? The reason that people don't want to go to church is because they don't want the light shine in their life. The reason that people don't want to get close to God, they don't want, you know, yeah, okay, I'm going through some trouble, I'm going through this, and, or I've got this issue, or yeah, you know, they tell me I need to be saved, or they tell me I need to get back in church, but I just, I, no, the reason you don't want to go, and the reason people don't want to go to church is because they love darkness rather than light. They would rather have the darkness of, of sadness that comes along with sin than to give up their sin and have the light. That's what the Lord Jesus just said. They love darkness rather than light, and they hate the light. Really, they hate the light. Why? Because the light, it shines upon their darkness. They hate it, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. Reproved. Where would we just hear that? In John chapter 16. That the Holy Ghost, when he come, that he should reprove the world of sin. And now here's Jesus, all the way back in chapter 3, saying, He that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. A person, a person who wants to do right will gladly let the light shine on their wrong. Let me say that again. A person who genuinely wants to do right will gladly let the light shine on their wrong. Amen. That means there's no preaching too hard for them, so long as it's in the Word of God. Amen. That there's no passage off limits, hallelujah, in the Word of God, because they walk in light. Now, do we all sin? Absolutely. I mean, I do. I don't know about you, but I do. I'm pretty sure you do too, if I can be honest. We all sin. Amen. Miss Linda said daily, and then she backed up and said minutely. I don't know if minutely is the right way to say it, but I know exactly what you meant, didn't you? I mean, minutely, I'm failing God. One minute I'm on track and everything's great, and the next minute I've said something dumb, and I, 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 here I am, Lord. Forgive me, Lord. Here comes that pride. One minute I'm saying this, and the next minute I'm doing that. It's like Paul said, that I would not, that I do, that I would, that I do not. That's me. I'm just messing up. I'm just a mess up here and there. But can I tell you this morning, I want the light. I want the light. I want the light to shine on me if the things that I'm doing that I enjoy are wrong and tell me. I don't want to live in darkness. I don't want to live in obscurity. And I don't want to live wondering. And I don't want to live in, well, I don't want to live there. I want to live in the light. I want to live in the light of the Word of God. I want to live in the light of the, of the Holy Spirit that He's shining down on me and that in my life He is reproving sin. Amen. I won't, but I could ask you this morning, how many of you are saved? And, and I'd see hands go up all over the house and I'd say, how many of you have the Holy Ghost living inside your heart? And and people would raise their hand and say amen. And then I ask you this, when's the last time the Holy Ghost reproved sin 
in your heart and you had to go get on an altar and make it right. When's the last time? Oh, he's the comforter, but he's also the convictor. And not just in those that don't believe, first in those that don't believe, that he draws us with the convicting power of the Holy Spirit. Amen, we say that, right? That we, If we come to God with a broken heart and a contrite spirit, that he'll forgive us of our sins, that he'll save us, and we preach that and we know that that's true, and that we want the Holy Ghost to reach the lost. But can I tell you this morning, how can we believe that the Holy Ghost is the convicting hand that draws sinners and that that convicting hand moves into our heart and yet does not convict us of our own sin. Your life is filled with worldliness and sinfulness and you wonder why you don't feel his comfort. It's because you're not living in the light. But rather you're doing as these men that Jesus said, hugging to the dark, one foot in the light, the rest of you in the dark, and well, that's where my salvation is, and I'm glad I got that figured out, but I don't need that light shining on anything else. Amen? That's not unity. You can't please God and live after the flesh. God's not going to bless you and live after the flesh. It's just not going to happen. I need to hurry on. We see that He will convict us of sin. He'll convict of righteousness. He'll reprove of righteousness in verse number 10. Uh, because I go to my Father and you see me no more. The Holy Spirit will not only point out those things that are wrong in our lives, but He'll point us toward the right things in our lives. Can you say amen? That He will show us righteousness. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 22, For He hath made Him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. You say, well, what does that have to do with anything? Well, you've got to remember that you don't have any righteousness. The only righteousness we have is in Christ Jesus. And so when the, when the Lord said that He will reprove the world of righteousness, here's what He meant. He'll show us that in us there is no righteousness. And that in the world there is no righteousness. And that the only righteousness we have is the righteousness of God through Christ. Paul said, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. How are we going to be righteous in this life? By being like Him. And Jesus said, He's going to reprove you of that because I'm going to my Father and you see me no more. Which means I'm not going to be right here anymore, God, saying, this is what I would do. And this is what you should do. And that's what you should do. From now on, the Holy Ghost is going to be the one doing that. When's the last time the Holy Ghost led you to do something good and you did it? Amen. Does He lead us? Absolutely. But when's the last time you listened? When's the last time we gave an invitation and Miss Brandy came to the piano and played and the Holy Ghost said, you need to pray, and you got up and chucked your pride and went and prayed? When's the last time? When's the last time the Holy Ghost told you to give someone a gospel tract or to tell a friend about the Lord Jesus? or to invite somebody to church, and you did it. Because Jesus said He's coming to show you that there is no righteousness in the world, and that the righteousness of Jesus Christ is all we have, and to lead us in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. And so He will lead us to do good things. Is He leading you to do good things? Because he, if He lives in you, He will. So, well, yeah, amen, He is, Brother Paul, but maybe I, may, I haven't really been listening if I could be honest. Amen. Oh, that's all of us. We all do that. But if you want that comfort in your life, you've also got to have that convicting power that shows you the wrong and points out the right. Can you see that this morning? Not only convict us of sin of righteousness, but he said this, of judgment. He says this in verse 11, of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. Y'all know who the prince of this world is, right? That old, rotten, filthy, stinking devil who I hate. Really, I hope I get to watch as he's kicked off into the lake of fire. So I can cheer. So, well, that's not really a Christ-like spirit. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think it is. I think it's God's will that the devil gets kicked off into the lake of fire. And I'm looking forward to it because I don't like him. And neither should you. 
Acts 26, 16 says this, Rise and stand upon thy feet. This is Paul giving his testimony of when the Lord came to him in Acts chapter 9. And these are the words of the Lord Jesus speaking to him. He's giving testimony of what the Lord said to him. He said, For I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness both of these things which thou hast seen, and those things in the which I will appear unto thee, delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles, unto whom now I send thee, to open their eyes, to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. The Lord Jesus told Paul this, I'm going to send you so that you can teach them proper judgment, that which is right and that which is wrong, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and that they may come to me. And it's as the Lord said in John chapter 7, verse 28 or 24, Judge not according to the appearance, but judge righteous judgment. Can I tell you this morning, you cannot judge righteously without the Holy Spirit. Doesn't matter how smart you are, or how many degrees you've got, or what you think you know, if the Lord's not helping you, you cannot judge righteous judgments. Because that's His domain. To reprove the world of judgment. To shut the devil up, and to give God a voice in your heart. Amen. Let me move on. He's come. His mission is to comfort, to convict. And then thirdly, it is to conduct. In verse 13, we see here he says, he's telling us <clears throat> that he is going to lead us into all truth. And know what he said? The spirit of truth has come. He will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. And he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine, and shall show it unto you. We talked about this last week, how that the Lord God, the Holy Spirit, will never speak of himself, but he will only speak of the Son. And now what Jesus said here in these verses? That when he's come, he'll lead you into all truth. Whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. He will show you things to come. He will not speak of himself. He shall glorify me. For he shall receive of mine and show it unto you. He is coming to guide us into all truth. And that truth is the Lord Jesus Christ. You know what Jesus said? I am the way, the... Now he didn't say, I'm the way and I have the truth. He said, I am the truth. His life is the way. The way he did things is the truth. The, the, spoke he said, the things he spoke, they were truth. They weren't his truth. They were truth. He is truth. And the Spirit, if he's going to guide us into all truth, then he is only ever going to guide us the way Jesus wants him to. Galatians 5, 16, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. These are contrary the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. But if you be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. Galatians 5, 16 says it very plainly. Walk in the Spirit. So what does that mean? Well, it doesn't mean that you, you know, astral project yourself out of your body. It doesn't mean that you need to achieve nirvana. What it means is, you walk in the way that He wants you to walk. You talk the way He wants you to talk. You do the things He wants you to do. You don't do the things He doesn't want you to do. You don't say the things He doesn't want you to say. Are you with me this morning? Walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So Brother Paul... I am really struggling with sin in my life. The Bible says that if you will walk in the Spirit, you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. So what does that mean? Well, you know what? We've been doing a lot of preaching on how that the Lord wants us to live in these last days on Wednesday nights, how that, that Christian guide to behavior in the last days and, and how that we're supposed to love one another and how that we're supposed to comfort one another and pray for one another and how we're supposed to walk as Christians and walk as children of light and not as children of disobedience and, 
And if we're doing that and we're reading our Bible, we're praying, we're going to church, then we have the power to overcome sin. But the problem is a lot of people, they just want to defeat the things in their life that they want to defeat and keep the things in their life they want to keep. And they're being led by their own mind and their own desires. And what you say, well, Brother Paul, at least I'm not drinking or at least I'm not being a fornicator or at least I'm not doing this or at least I'm not doing that. And, you know, maybe I've got these little things, but I just don't really see what the big deal is. Well, that's the problem. You're still walking according to your way and not his way. Amen. His way will affect every aspect of your life. The way you talk, the things you watch, the things you listen to, the things you do with your hands, the places that you go, the people that you're around. God will affect those things. And when you're holding certain things back from Him, then you're not walking in His way. Can we, can we agree? If any man be led by the Spirit, if you'll be led by the Spirit and you'll walk in the Spirit, then you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. So can we see in the Scripture that the Holy Ghost is here not only to comfort us and not only to show us what is right and what is wrong in our hearts, but to lead us in our lives and that He will lead us in the right way. If you'll let Him, He'll lead you to the right person to marry. I think maybe Brother Tim was talking some about that in Sunday school this morning. The right person to marry, the right people to, to get around, the right place to work. You think he doesn't care about those things in your life? Absolutely he does. Amen. If we want the comforter, we're going to have to let him be the conductor of our lives also. Let me finish today. Not only do we see the mission of the Holy Spirit, but we also see the mortifying through the Spirit. Turn with me to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 and verse 12. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. But if you live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. That's that witness. Do you all see the witness right there in verse number 14? Paul says this, If you're the Son of God, you'll be led by the Spirit of God. Isn't that what he says? They, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. There's the Holy Spirit being a witness in your life. When every decision that you make, look at me, when every decision that you make, is a selfish decision. It is a self-serving decision. It is not the wisdom of God. It's not the wisdom of the Word of God. And you say, oh, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian. The witness is awful quiet. Amen. For you've not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you've received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and join heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with Him, that we may be also glorified together. Let me give this to you quickly. The mortifying through the Spirit. That word mortify means to subdue or bring into subjection as the bodily appetites by abstinence or rigorous severities. Mortifying something is a serious ordeal. It's not passive. It doesn't happen by accident, but it is intense and serious and intentional. It is you looking at your body and saying, no. Now, isn't that a novel idea? Trust me, I know. Last night, I failed to tell my body to not eat that Reese with some kind of weird marshmallow stuff at 8 o'clock. My wife said, don't do it. The Lord said, don't do it. And I ate that Reese, and I had, to, I had to repent. Because my wife and I, we've been trying to do a little bit of that intermittent fasting. And, you know, 6 o'clock is kind of early to quit eating when you're up till midnight with a 3-year-old. You know, you're pretty hungry by, by midnight. So it's just difficult sometimes to tell your body no. The reason it's so difficult for some is because you never do it. 
Amen. And I'm not saying that to throw off on you, because I just told you, Reese, down the hatch it went. There, and it was good. It was delicious. I'm just going to be honest. Wasn't good for me, but it was delicious. And my body said, yes, more. People who fast often, spiritually, who have a, uh, a, a sort of agreement with the Lord that they're going to fast regularly, you know, monthly or bi-weekly or even weekly. I've known some who have done 40-day fasts and stuff like that. Uh, they have a lot more self-control. And the reason is because it's not because they are super spiritual. Can I tell you that? It's not because they're superhuman, although 40 days, that's impressive. What it is, is that they have mortified their flesh. They have taught their flesh to learn the meaning of no. I meant to hurry through this, but it doesn't sound like I'm hurrying. I'm sorry. My daughter struggles with the word no. Any of y'all ever had children that struggle with the word no? And Man, Brother Jason almost took a lap right there. I mean, his arm shot up. I thought it was going to fly off. Children, they don't like being told no. You know, when they're babies, and every time they cry, you give them whatever it'll take to make them stop crying. By the time they get a little bit bigger, they have gotten used to that. And it takes a while for you then to reverse engineer that and teach them that actually you don't get everything that you want. Or at least that's the way it's supposed to be. Amen. We're supposed to teach our children that. Hallelujah. I'm trying to reteach my parents that regarding my children. They don't, they lost, they had it with me, they've lost it with her. Hallelujah. But the fact is, it's hard to say no. It is. When my daughter is crying and she's giving the big puppy dog eyes and she just wants this and I know it's bad for her and she don't need that and it's not good for her and I have to say no, it's not fun. It's also not fun when my body says, I want that, Reese, or I want this, or I want that, and I have to say no. Amen. I want to eat that whole bag of chips. Or I, I want to watch that thing because I think it's funny. It's bad, but I think it's funny and I want to watch it. Or I, I want to listen to this because it pleases what? The flesh. But here's the problem. We are... Brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. The mortifying of the Spirit first involves the annihilation of sin and self. Not all the deeds of the body or the desires of the body are sinful, but they're all selfish. Can I say that again? Not every desire of your body is sinful, but they're all selfish. And it's not wrong sometimes for me to want to do this. And, you know, when, when, you, when you go to fast and you think, I'm going to fast and instead of eating, I'm going to pray and read my Bible. And then it's dinner time, you think, man, I'm hungry, you know. And, and I didn't tell anybody. I was just kind of thinking, I hadn't really decided. It's not necessarily that it would be a sin, unless you promise God you do that. Then, you know, yes, it would be a sin. It would be a lie. But if you've just been kind of thinking about it, it wouldn't be a sin to not fast today, but to fast tomorrow. But what you're teaching your flesh when you do that is, well, what you think is important. And what you want matters to me. And what you want, it should have precedence over other things in my life. And when you get in your car and you turn that music on, and you know that it's full of wicked, hellish business, amen, amen, and the Spirit says, maybe you should listen to something else, you know, some preaching or, or some godly music. And you say, ah, yeah, but you know, I love this song. Woo! What you've done is you said, yes, flesh, yes, body, no, Spirit. We want the Spirit, right? We've been preaching and we've been talking about unity and how we want God in here. But if we just come in here and say, God, give us your spirit for an hour and ten minutes or so. But when I go out there, I, just, I don't want you to be too loud. I don't want you to be too prominent in my life. God, if you start messing with my music and you start messing with 
with what I'm doing. I mean, it's, it's my time, you know. It's just me. It's my time. If you want to start messing with what I'm watching, who I'm hanging out with, and where I'm going, and the way I'm talking, and what I'm doing, I don't really need all of that. I want you in the church, and I want you to help Brother Paul, and I want you to help the church, and, and yeah, but you know me, yeah, just don't worry too much about me. You'll never, ever, ever be in unity. You'll just never do it. Because what you've done is you've put your body and your mind back under the bondage of the flesh. And we're not debtors to the flesh. When you got saved, the Lord washed all your sins away. Past, present, future, all gone. But then what we do, because we're, I mean, let's be honest, not real smart, is we start picking up those things that the Lord washed off of us and putting them back on our shoulders. Galatians chapter 5 said this, Stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free. And He made us free when He saved us. Free from all sin. And be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. That's what He said. That's what we do when we go back out there and we start filling our mouths and filling our ears and filling our bodies with the world is we start putting those chains back on ourselves. You know what I found? It's a lot harder for a Christian who has, has, has been saved and set free, who has then gone back like a dog returning to its vomit, as the Bible says, and put those chains back on, it's a lot harder for them to get free than it was when they got saved. The mortifying of the Spirit takes place through the annihilation of sin. It takes place through the adoption of the saints in verse 14, 15, and 16. We see that the Holy Spirit is a testimony of our salvation. He said it very plainly. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. You've not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, he said, but you've received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father, the Spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we're the children of God. So we understand that the Holy Spirit indwelling us, leading you in what you should do. Leading you in what you shouldn't do. And this morning, when the Bible is being preached, and I'm pointing you toward Christ and telling you to walk in righteousness. The Holy Spirit will speak in you of those things in your life that are darkness to the light of the Word of God and the light of the preached Word of God and say, that's darkness. That's dark. Amen? Am I, am I, am I by myself this morning? Are y'all with me still? He'll shine light, and light reveals the dark spot. If he's not doing that in your heart, you need to ask yourself this question. Why not? Because I'll tell you this. It's not because there aren't any dark spots. We've all got them. Amen? The annihilation of sin, the adoption of saints, and then this. And I'll be finished. The mortification through the Spirit brings the advantage of suffering. That's weird, isn't it? Look at verse 17. If children, then heirs. Heirs of God. Join heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with Him, that we may be also glorified together. Does the body like to suffer? I mean, mine doesn't. I've still got that knot on my back where I fell on the porch. And every time I feel it, it makes me angry. Because my body doesn't like to suffer. And neither does yours. Uh, my flesh, it doesn't like to hurt. And, it doesn't, and just in general, in life, I, I don't enjoy suffering. Can I just be frank? But the fact of the matter is very simple. If we want to be heirs and, and be glorified in God with Christ Jesus, it can only come through suffering. That's what this verse says. We are heirs with Christ, joint heirs with Christ, heirs of God, if so be that we suffer with Him. We keep saying, we want the Spirit. This morning in my prayer, God, fill me with your Spirit. God, give me your Spirit. Have you all ever heard Him say, Lord, give me a touch? A touch from heaven. Give me a touch of God. Oh, they've got a touch of God on their life. Well, let me give you this example in the Bible and we'll be done. 
Genesis chapter 32, verse 24. Jacob is afraid for his life because he's now coming back in contact with his brother Esau. He's been away from God. He's been away from God's people. He's not been a good man. And in chapter 32 of the book of Genesis, verse 24, it says, Jacob was left alone, and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh, and the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint, and he wrestled with him. Would you say that hurt? You ever had anything go out of joint? Does it hurt? It hurts. It's bad. It's not good. And he said, let me go for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let thee go. Look at this. Except thou bless me. Lord, bless him, Jesus. Bless me, Lord. Help me, Lord. Bless me, Lord. Touch me, God. Fill me with your spirit, Lord. Help me. Bless me. Isn't that our prayer? Bless us, God. Help our church and give us the spirit and, and bless us and fill us up. And God, we want you and we just need you. Isn't that our prayer? This man, who's the Lord, said, let me go. And Jacob said, I'll not let you go until you bless me. And he said unto him, what is thy name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince thou hast power with God and with men and hast prevailed. And Jacob said unto him and said, and asked, and asked him and said, Tell me, I pray thee, thy name. And he said, Wherefore is it that thou dost ask after my name? And he blessed him there. Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. And as he passed over Penuel, the sun rose upon him, and he halted upon his thigh. Therefore the children of Israel eat not the sinew which shrank, which is upon the hollow of the thigh unto this day. Because he touched the hollow of Jacob's thigh in the sinew that shrank. Jacob cried unto the Lord, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. So he did. And he never walked the same again. Before his suffering, he was Jacob. After, he was Israel. Before his suffering, he was just a man living for himself. But afterward, he became a prince of God. What price did Jacob have to pay for a blessing from God? Uh, the problem is, the world's message is, I can do whatever I want, and God will still bless me. But that's not the scriptural message. You want to be an heir with Christ? You want the blessings of God in your life? You want the blessings of God in this church and we want unity together, me with you and you with me and, and us together and the Lord moving in our midst and working among us and, and you want to see God have His way in our church and we all say, Amen, Brother Paul. What are you willing to suffer for that? What are you willing to sacrifice? Because if you're not even willing to suffer the loss of worldly things that are going to hurt you anyway, you'll never get that touch from God. You'll never have it. Our church will struggle with unity, and you will struggle with unity because of your direct disobedience to the Spirit of God and mine. The Spirit has come that we might mortify our flesh through the Spirit, have the annihilation of sin in our lives, the adoption of saints, and the advantage of suffering. The advantage is this. God will bless those who are willing to sacrifice for God. If you've been saved, you've received the adoption of saints, can I encourage you this morning? To let the light shine on your life. Those, I said it before, those who desire to do right will let God shine light on their wrong. Even when you don't want to. 
even when you think, but I don't want to. I don't want to give that up. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. You don't have to. But if you want a touch from God, and you want a blessing, I'm not going to turn and read it to you, but when Jacob blessed Joseph, he had him put his hand on the hollow of his thigh, the place where God touched him. Sometimes, getting where God wants you will take you through a difficult road. But if we're not willing, and let's be honest, in the day in which we live, a lot of people are not, but if we're not willing to even just give up the smallest things in our life that the Lord is requiring of us, don't expect a touch of God. Let's all stand. Brandy, if you would, come to the piano. It's not popular preaching. For me to encourage you to want suffering. (laughs) But can I tell you this morning that that's what God wants. He don't want to hurt you. What He wants is He wants you to want Him more than anything else. That God, if the path that the Spirit wants to lead me through is a path of suffering, then God... I'll gladly go down that road if you'll touch me. Lord, if you'll move in my life, if you'll help me, Lord, if you'll speak to me. God, if you'll speak to my husband, if you'll speak to my wife, if you'll speak to my children, if you'll, if you'll be in my life and fill me and, and help me, God, then I'm willing to go down whatever road it takes. And I'm willing to give up whatever you want me to give up. Say, Brother Paul, the Bible says obedience is better than sacrifice. Amen. Sometimes obedience requires sacrifice. You ought, to, you ought to bow your head this morning. You ought to bow the knee. You ought to say, God, show me those things in my life that are darkness. I dare say anything in our life that we wouldn't give up for Him could be the very next thing He asks us for. When He saw Abraham in a place where Abraham had begun to stray, He asked him for His own son. Now, He didn't take him, but He didn't spare him until He knew that Abraham was willing to give him. Our Father in heaven, Lord, we thank you. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, God, for your spirit, Lord, that you've sent him down to us. God, thank you that he is that comforter, that he is good and that he is wise. God, that he he will reprove us, God, of sin, righteousness, of judgment, Lord, that he will will lead us in the paths of righteousness. Lord, he'll show us those, those right ways to go in our lives, the will of God, Lord, that he'll take us on that right path and God, he'll show us those things, and Lord, lead us, Lord, that we might be joint heirs with Christ, Lord. God, I pray this morning, God, that you would do a work in the heart of every person in this church this morning. God, if we are saved and we have become adopted through the spirit of adoption, that we may cry, Abba, Father, God, as as children of God and no longer strangers, then God, I pray that the Holy Spirit would have free reign in our hearts. God, that there would be nothing in our life that we would try to hold back in shadow and darkness, Lord, to keep from You, but Lord, that we would lay our lives on the altar. God, that we would desire You above all things, Lord, that we would teach our bodies, Lord, to be mortified, to tell ourselves no, and and to to, to lift up the Spirit and to to quieten and mortify the flesh. We know, the God, that if we live after the flesh, it is impossible to please God. Help us, Lord, to live our lives in a way that is pleasing to you. Help us, God, to be willing to go forward, to endure hardness as a good soldier. Grow us together, grow us in unity with the Spirit. We love you and we ask in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you again for listening to the Calvary Road Baptist Church Podcast. 
If you would like to learn more about our church in Shepherdsville, Kentucky, you can find the link to our website in the show notes to www.calvaryroadbaptistchurch.com. We're so thankful that you've taken the time to listen to today's sermon, and we hope that the Lord will use it to edify you in the faith. If you'd like to help spread the word about this podcast, you can do so by leaving us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts, or by telling a friend. Thank you again, and have a blessed day in the Lord. Thank you.